You're listening to the expository preaching ministry of Kootenai Community Church, located in Kootenai, Idaho. We pray that Christ is exalted and your spirit is blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information about Kootenai Church, please visit us online at kootenaichurch.org. Yeah, I am. So I'm going to start with uh, with football trivia, but I won't stay on it for very long. Who is this is for this is for football fans? So if you think I don't like football, I hope you're not going to talk about football all the time. I'm not going to talk about football all the time. There's various other sports that we'll talk about. Who is the greatest quarterback of all time? Raise your hand if you think you know. <coughs> Doug. Johnny Unitas. That is actually the correct answer, but it's not the one I'm looking for. Sir. Joe Montana is the answer that I was looking for. Does anybody know, so that's the easy trivia question, anybody know who replaced Joe Montana when he retired with the 49ers? Steve Young. Now, Joe Montana may be the greatest quarterback ever. Steve Young, Hall of Famer, very good quarterback. Does anybody know who replaced Steve Young? Actually, not Elvis Gerback. That's a very good guess. Does anybody know besides Jim who replaced Steve Young? That is precisely my point. So imagine, if you will, that Jess is Joe Montana. You see my point now? It was Jeff Garcia. With actually, Jeff Garcia was a serviceable quarterback, so maybe this this will work out after all. All right, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we're thankful just for the chance to uh, look into your word and to understand these things that uh, we're going to be looking at for a while. Pray, Lord, that uh, your word would have its way, that as we study it, we'd understand it in the way that you intended for us to have it, and in no other way, Lord, that you would be glorified through it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the topic is biblical eldership. That's what we're going to talk about for a while. So I want to talk about what does that mean and why we should spend some time on it, or why that's worth studying. We're going to see from the scriptures what biblical eldership is, what the qualifications for eldership is, what a biblical form of church leadership looks like, and how it functions practically, uh, and what is the responsibility of all of us as Christians in relating to deacons and elders. I'm thinking it could take a while. I don't really know how long it could take. I mapped it out. It could be 15. It could be 6. kind of depends. I... If you guys were teenagers, I'd have a good idea, but you're not, so I really don't. I don't know how much you talk, for instance. I, I know I won't have to do a lot of the things I have to do with teenagers. At least I hope not. <laughs> Drew. <laughs> so I don't know. It could be, it could, uh, be short. It could be fast. Today, it's just going to be some kind of introductory material. We'll look at uh, scriptures related to the words that are used for this office of elders, and we'll see how far we get. Uh, we're going to look at questions like, do elders have to be men? What's the answer to that? Yes. yes. Uh, are elders and pastors different people? The answer is no. Uh, how many elders and pastors, elders or pastors, same same thing, should a church have? As many as are qualified and more than one. Somebody said more than one. Yeah, right? <laughs> then you're probably going to have one, but you should be looking to develop another. What are the qualifications of elders? We're going to look at that. 
Uh, for instance, do elders have to have a formal education in theology? And just so you know, the answer to that is not necessarily, but it's a really good idea. Um, how are elders chosen and recognized, maintained? How are they assessed? And what do they do? How does a plurality of elders make decisions? This is, I think, one of the challenges for a lot of people when they think about this. If you have multiple men all holding the same office, trying to make decisions by consensus, how does that really work? Because we know in business that that's really not the way things work. At some point, the CEO gets to say, this is the way it is. And you don't have a CEO when you have a plurality of elders. Um, so how do they do that? What's the difference between elders and deacons? We'll talk about that, hopefully. And then as a church, how do we relate to elders and deacons? And what's required of us in this? And when we look at qualifications of elders and deacons, how does that relate to those of us who are, don't aspire to those offices? Um, we'll see all that. So that's kind of the what. And I want to talk just briefly about the why. Um, an outline of this, I should give you an outline first before I forget to do this. This would be a crime not to do this. This is the book on biblical eldership. This is really the book on biblical eldership. We understand that. This book takes all of the relevant scripture passages, does exposition of all of them. Really great discussion about what an elder should be from scripture. Very exhaustive, looks at all the different objections to biblical eldership, goes through all that. That's uh, a book by Alexander Strzok. Um, it's called Biblical Eldership, but it's called to Restore Biblical Church Leadership. So if you aspire to the office of elder, or if you just really are interested in what the Bible has to say about church leadership, this is a, a great book to pick up. It looks long. That's because it has a lot of pages in it. It's the only reason it looks like that. There's lots of words, stuff like that. So what we're going to do today, again, is introductory material. Then we're going to start, I hope, next week, but it might it depends on how long everything takes, looking at eldership in Acts, um, and then the general epistles, the pastoral epistles, uh, Peter's instructions to elders, and then maybe a stop in Hebrews and James, and we'll see, see how that goes. Um, so we'll just see how long everything takes. So back to the why. Uh, you know, we're not training for eldership. That's not what the Sunday school class is supposed to be about. So why do we want to spend this much time on eldership and what eldership means? What what reasons could there be for that? Right. You hear that? It's about vigilance in the part of the body. You need to know what the qualifications of eldership, biblical eldership are. You want to follow the word of God, so you have to make sure that your elders are qualified. That's uh, something, if, if an elder is disqualified for some reason, that's something that you need to bring up. Okay, so that's one thing. What else? That's pretty much it. Well, understanding the, the, lead, the goal of an elder in the United States, we have a tendency to think everything should be a democracy. And for the body to understand it's not, might confuse some issues that will come up. Right. That's, Ron said we want everything to be a democracy, and in a church it's not. Understanding that might help diffuse some issues. That's true. I mean, I know from my background, churches that I've grown up in, I never saw a biblical church leadership. Not that they weren't 
qualified man and all of that. But it didn't function this way. Most often you see a pastor, right? A pastor, the pastor. And a board of deacons, maybe. Or congregational rule. Uh, in some way that they really make decisions. And it's not, it's not the biblical pattern. So we'll see that. There's a lot of confusion around that. And the truth of it is that the Bible understands the influence of leadership. So the Bible is, you know, obviously understands everything. The Holy Spirit understands the, the influence that leadership has on the church. And so very, very careful about what the character is of elders and how, how leadership is supposed to function. So it's not a trivial thing. We shouldn't assume that just because what we've seen in the past is, is the right thing because it very rarely is in churches. Yeah, that's a great point, right? When we go through qualifications of elders or deacons, there's really only a couple of them that don't apply to everybody in the church. Because not everybody has to be a man in the church. That works out good. <laughs> and the, not everybody has to be able to teach. But there is, in, when, uh, when it, Paul talks about in First Timothy, when he says that you have to be a one-woman man, a husband of one wife, how we translate that, there still is the, the issue of fidelity, and that's something that you know we have to all um, <clears throat> adhere to. And then as far as being able to teach, we don't all have to be able to teach, but we all should know enough doctrine that we're able to refute, we're able to justify our faith, right? Yeah, that's a qualification of an elder that's not necessarily a qualification for for everybody. It's not necessarily something we all have to do. Others? Other reason? Yeah. What are some specifics? I was listening to a sermon from Alistair Begg on eldership, and you know his use of language is quite a bit better than mine. As you, can get. I was going to try to do a Scottish accent through this whole thing, but it didn't work out. But he says you can you can tighten it or you can lighten it. He talks about the qualifications, and yeah, you can tighten it, you can lighten it. But here's what it says, and so we have to be we have to understand what it says. So there's a lot of disagreement about that. Other reasons to study this? Anna? So that's the main topic. Yeah. As a congregation, how to support your, your elders, your deacons, your leaders. Thank you. I think it's good for people to know what goes on when the elders of the church meet, how they make decisions, how they relate to each other. I mean, just think that it's sort of thrown into a room together to hammer out the issues or are they friends? What are the interdynamic personal relationships? Yeah, to understand how that really works. Do we vote or what do we do? How do we make decisions? Okay, anything else? Why is there such a huge difference in the 
Yeah, having children who believe. What exactly does that mean? Yeah, it goes along with uh, what Dorothy was saying about qualifications and understanding them and what do they mean. Yeah. Sure. Right. I mean, ultimately, there's there's always whenever you study anything, there's a couple of very good reasons for doing it. One of them, it's in the scriptures. It's given to us course we need to understand it. Nothing is given to us in the scriptures that we can just say, well, that's really not that important. We'll leave that for the elders because it's about eldership. Well, that's that's not right. We need to understand what's in scripture. And as some of you have said, when we look at elders, eldership, the structure of, of eldership, the qualifications of eldership, you see in that a reflection on all Christians. How are we to behave? Here's a standard. Is that a standard that only has to be met by elders? No. I mean, clearly, as I said, except for two things, all of those are stated as, as being something we all need to aspire to. So that's in there. So because it's in the Bible, it's something we ought to study. There is also much in this that will cause you to glorify your king. When we talk about who's in charge, you know, you think, well, when you have a board of elders, who's in charge? The truth of the matter is, who's in charge? The Lord's in charge, and that is what is recognized, and that's what makes eldership work, and it's the only thing that can make it work. That's why it doesn't work in business, because at some point you have to say, who's in charge? And somebody has to be in charge. Somebody sitting in the room has to say, "This is." we have the clear word of God, and this is ultimately what's in charge. Elders are just here to do what the Bible says, and to make sure that it's done. Right? So there's much in this study, I think, that will uh, help us to praise God, glorify God. Uh, the, anything we study in Scripture causes us to do that. And then I want to—we're not going to talk about this every Sunday, but I want to be clear about this. You know that we, you know we had a congregational meeting, so there's a lot of questions about eldership and what does it mean and what are the qualifications and how are decisions made and I, and those are good good things to be asking right now. So let's answer them by going to the Word. So that's what we'll do. Okay, so that's introduction. Does that make sense? Kind of where we're going? Okay. And just so you know, uh, I have a habit of, I'll say, does that make sense? Is that clear? And a lot of you said, yeah, like that. And everybody always says, yeah, like that. If, if it's not clear, nobody wants to go, no. Okay. Except some Thomas would, would do that for me. <laughs> Which is good, very helpful. Um, I taught college students for a long time, and so we talk about this at the VA. College students are very self-conscious and all want to fit in. They all look alike. They all wear the same clothes, except for the exchange students. So I tell them, I'll ask them, does this make sense? If it doesn't make sense, nobody's looking at you. All you got to do is go like that real quick. You see that? Just bang, like that. And then I'll know that does not make sense, so we can come back and clarify that. All right? So don't be self-conscious. All right, let's get into uh, some of the meat of this. There's What I want to do is look at three words, three words that are used to describe this office. Can everybody read that? <laughs> Who said no? <laughs> Lanny? 
Here, I'll give you a piece of paper. This is for Lanny. It's not an English word, so. There are three words uh, that are given in Scripture to refer to this office, and I want to look at, at each one of them. Um, one of them is given to you up there, which I should. Let me turn this off. Forget that it was up there. Did you forget it? Okay, good. Does anybody know what the three words are? It doesn't have to be the Greek words. If you know the Greek words, that's better, but you get more points for that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Presbyteros. Do you know what that English word is? That's one of them. That's the English word elder, translated elder. What are the other two? Anybody know? Bishop, right? Bishop or overseer, that's a translation of another word that we'll see in a minute. Also a reference to the same office. One more word. No, elder is presbyteros. Your wife took that one from you. Yeah, I know. Somebody say it? What? Deacon, that's a good that's a good answer. Deacon is actually a separate office, though. Deacon is not an office of elder. So there's elder, overseer, bishop, pastor. Hello. <laughs> and then there's deacon, right? <laughs> the word pastor, shepherd, the Greek word poimen is the other. So if any of these are used in your Bible, pastor, shepherd is a reference to an office in the Christian church. Pastor, shepherd, overseer, bishop, elder, they'll mean the same office. What's that? Poobah is not actually a reference. I do make Diane call me that at home. <laughs> but that's a separate deal. So we'll look first of all as presbyteros. Presbyteros, the plural presbyteroi. Wow, that's important to know that is what the Greek words are. If, I, if you know Greek, Anna, and if I mispronounce them, it doesn't matter. Okay. This is the... Uh, this word is translated elder in your New Testament. It's used 70 times. Very common word in your New Testament. And it's used in several different ways, and I wanted to look at the different ways that it's used uh, so you kind of understand the context of that. And every time I hit this, it makes a very loud sound, so I'm trying to stop doing that, unless Lanny starts to fall asleep. The, the first usage, and probably the most common, I didn't go through and see, but... The most common usage is just as a, a noun meaning older, just as we use elder, you know, obey your elders, uh, just meaning an older person. You see there, that's Luke 15:25. That's the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. His older son there is his presbyteros son. Actually, it's a form of that word. John 8, 9, when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone, and the woman where she was in the center of the court, the older there is elder. Um, that is the woman at the uh, woman caught in adultery. Right Acts 2, 17, this is Peter's sermon in Acts 2. He's quoting uh, from Joel chapter 2. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And that's presbyteroi right there. So that's one use, just to mean an older man. It's common use. There's another use. 
on my notes it says use B, but on the overhead it is use 2, or whichever you like better. It says a noun used to refer to Jewish elders and or the Sanhedrin. Matthew 15, 1 and 2 says, Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They do not wash their hands when they eat bread. These elders are the ones that gave them the tradition of washing their hands. And so this refers to Jewish leaders, Jewish religious leaders of the intertestamental period. So these were kind of Jewish religious leaders of the New Testament. Jim's adjusting something, so that'll be good. What are you adjusting? Feedback, okay. Feedback's good or bad, I don't know. Okay, so that's another use. This is a uh, use of that word to refer to leaders of the of the Jews during the New Testament times. Luke 7, 2 through 5. This is a really interesting story in its own right. You can kind of get lost in this story. So I can't do that. i got to just make the point. And a centurion slave who was highly regarded by him was sick and about to die. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. When they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this to him, for he loves our nation, and it was he who built us our synagogue. Uh, You know this story, right? The story of the centurion. He did not come to Jesus himself, but he sent some Jewish elders. Now, what do we know about these Jewish elders? Not much, except that they made reference to their synagogue here. And this man had helped them build their synagogue. So he, they were Jewish leaders of the local synagogue. And that is the word elders is presbyteros. Let's see, next one, Luke 22:66. This is kind of interesting. It says, when it was the day, the council of elders of the people assembled, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council chamber, saying, if you are the Christ, tell us. This is the uh, Sanhedrin, the council of the elders. It's the word is presbyterion. It's uh, the whole the three words council of elders is one Greek word. Right? So that's another common usage. And the third, I won't give you a lot of references to this, but this is what we'll be talking about. It's a, a noun referring to the leaders of the Christian churches. So just look at a couple of those. Acts 20, 17, we'll spend a lot of time in this passage. It says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church, and that elders is presbyteroi. Titus 1, 5 says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you, presbyteroi elders. Right? And by the way, that is the biblical pattern. We'll go through a bunch of verses. You can see that, that Titus 1, 5. They appointed elders in each of the local churches. You will not find a reference to them appointing an elder in a local church in the New Testament. There's one, there's one sort of exception to that that we'll talk about in Revelation. That's the only one. Okay, so this is what we'll focus on as far as use of that word is as elders. Before I go on to the others, I wanted to do that to point out that this is a term that the Christians would have understood. The Jewish Christians of the New Testament, they would have understood this word to mean something because they have a long tradition of this word. Uh, it's all through the Old Testament, of course, not a Greek word, but the use of the, the uh, meaning for elders as old men, older men who were leaders. All right? 
And the term elder implies something, doesn't it? You say someone is an elder, right? In just common usage, that makes you think of someone who has some years on this planet, who has some wisdom underneath that, right? They're a person who's calm, that knows how to deal with conflict, right? They're wise. And that's the context that this this was given to the uh, Christian churches. It basically means older. It's often, as we see, translated as just older. So I got to, you see where I'm headed with this. Do elders have to be older men? They have to be mature, right? Does maturity come with age? Not necessarily. Right? I was hoping somebody older would say that. <laughs> right. Uh, how old was Spurgeon when he became uh, the pastor of his church? Does anybody know? Yeah. A young man. 19. He was 16 when he first began preaching. Right. And he did okay. Right. Now that that's not biblical evidence. What biblical evidence do we have that you don't have to be an older man in order to be an elder? To be not a new convert, right? Yeah. There's not a specific time on that, is there? But do you have to be old? Do you have to be over 42 to be an elder? I don't know where I got 42. It just came to me. Well, how do we know that from Scripture? Yes? Speaking to Elder Timothy, let no man despise the youth. How old was Timothy? Do we know? So relatively young man. There's nothing in the qualifications of elders that says an overseer must be over 42 years of age. Da 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 da. Now, all the other things that you said, maturity, uh, wisdom, those things should be there, um, but those don't necessarily come with age. Um, there are younger men who are you know, godly men who are mature and are perfectly qualified, and there are some people, as you know, that are older and still don't act their age, and they wouldn't be qualified, right? Rose to the cream of the crop, and it always uh, bumped some people because they never exactly were the spiritual elite, and so there was this uh, tension that too bad we didn't have such and such in there, so we could have more of a spiritual overtone rather than a business overtone. But mm-hmm. there was always that conflict. Yeah, because I, both sides actually, in their own way, were 
mature, but one with more ambition and maturity, the other one right. is more business maturity. Right. And and business acumen is not a requirement. It's not a qualification for eldership. Now, being able to manage your household means being able to manage your finances and everything reasonably well also, but uh, we're not looking for CEOs or CFOs. We're looking for qualified men, according to what the Bible says. So that's the most common, uh, the most common word. Here's another one. This is episkopos or episkopoi in the plural. Sounds like another church. We just had the Presbyterians. Now we have the Episcopal. That's where these those uh, churches get their names. It comes really from two Greek words that are put together. Anna, do you know what they are? Epi is what? Epi meaning over, the above, yeah. And skopos meaning like a scope, seer, like overseer. That's what the word means. One who has oversight. It's also translated very unfortunately, in my opinion, bishop. Because when you think of a bishop, what do you think of? A puva. Did you do the hat motion? Yeah. Because right. anybody ever play chess? I think of somebody who can move diagonally, which is a nice thing to be able to do on a chessboard. That's one thing. And then this thing. And I think of one other thing because I grew up in southern Idaho. That's a Mormon teenager. Mormon teenagers are bishops. Yeah. I went to, my cousin was a bishop. Yeah. So I think of that. So bishop is an unfortunate, I think it's something of an unfortunate term. Um, Overseer is a better explanation. It's also translated guardian occasionally, which is, which is good too. Means the same, kind of same idea. Um, it means a supervisor, an overseer, someone who has oversight over something. Just, just simple that way. Um, here are, again, some references to it. I won't read you all of these. I want to put them all up there because these are all of them. This word is used five times in the New Testament. And these are the five references. And we'll be going through each of these as we go to that passage of Scripture. Except Philippians 1.1. That's because you just, we just went over that, not, not what, four or five years ago? <laughs> Isn't that? Philippians 1.1. And there's, to Marilyn's point, it says including the overseers and deacons. Those are the two offices that uh, are mentioned in the New Testament. Okay. Does that make sense? Is that second word? <laughs> I'm not going to do anything now. <laughs> it does make sense. Okay. Third word, and this is the one I wanted to really spend the most time on. It's an interesting word. The way that it's used is really interesting. And it really gives you a lot of insight into what the role of this person is to be. Uh, the word is poimain, and it's translated in two ways in your New Testament. Two English words, pastor and shepherd. But remember, when you see pastor or shepherd, it's the same word. It's the same exact word. No difference. Okay? So that's just start wheels turning in your mind. So why is it in there in two different ways? And that's what really was bothering me as I did this. But before we go too far down that road, the, it's used in a few different ways. The first is as a noun, just meaning shepherd, somebody who tends the sheep. 
uh, from Luke 2, the Christmas story. In the same region, there were some shepherds, Poimain, staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. The shepherds. And that's the most common usage of the word. Um, it's also the poimeno is used as a verb meaning to shepherd. Luke 17:7, which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep, poimeno, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat. Tending sheep, doing the work of a shepherd. Okay, literal shepherd. What it's talking about. The third reference or the third use is as a noun in reference to Christ as a shepherd. And I won't read you all of those, but 1 Peter 2.25 is the third reference there. It says, For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. That's a great verse. Shepherd and guardian, the poimen and episcopos of your souls. Shepherd and overseer, shepherd and guardian, uses both of those to refer to Christ, which is beautiful. When you serve as an elder, you understand you are not the elder, you're not the guardian, you're not the shepherd of the sheep. Right? You work for the shepherd of the sheep. Christ is the shepherd. Human shepherds are just under shepherds. Great verse. And then the one that we're going to spend some time on, probably more time than any other passage, you could actually turn to this and Open up there. Ephesians 4.11. Ephesians 4.11. It's in a passage we're talking about the gifts that Christ has given to his church for the edification of his church, for his glory. And Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. And given time, I would go through, I uh, wanted to go through those offices. Maybe we do that next time, but uh, focus on pastors and teachers, or it, it really could be translated pastors who teach. Pastors and teachers is the same, the same people. So, pastors. Now, I will give you, no, I won't say that. I was going to say, that was a teen thing, I was about to do a teen thing, where I was going to say, I'll give you a prize if you can find the word pastor somewhere else in your New Testament. But I won't do that because that would be wrong because you're not teens. And I don't have any prizes either. So um, That word doesn't appear anywhere else in your New Testament. Pastors. Now, does it say pastors in all of your Bibles? Lanny, that was for you. Does it say pastors in all your Bibles? Yeah. Right. There, uh, there are some Bible translations out there that don't that just say shepherd. Remember, this is the word poimain. Translated everywhere else in your Bible is shepherd, except for here. Now, what does pastor mean? The English word pastor. Do you know? That's from a Latin word. It just means pass. It just means shepherd. Just another word for shepherd. So this is an old English word from a Latin word for pastor. Latin word pastor just meaning shepherd. So it really means the same thing. But why the different English word? This bothered me a lot. So I actually did it. I kind of made a mistake here. I went online to try to figure this out. That's really not a good idea. I found out online that really there are no such things as pastors or shepherds or overseers. Overseers aren't really to have oversight over anything. You shouldn't have those. 
and that the Nephilim of Genesis chapter 6 built the pyramids, and some of them are still here, and that's where we get Bigfoot. So then I went to a different site. It just doesn't help. I mean, there's so much garbage out there that it's just impossible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you probably hosted most of those things. <laughs> there are some really good sites out there, though. The uh, what's it called? The what's that one called? The Greek Resurgence Project. That's a good site. And there's another site that's got well, that one I think has it too. It has Strong's Concordance, and you can link all the Greek words up. Yeah, that's actually a good point that it says right here, pastors, teachers, really is together included. You could you could almost include that as another as another word. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Let's get to that in one second. That's that's where I'm headed with this. Exactly. So how do we how do we figure this out? Why why do they use pastor here? And that that's that's the, the road I had to go down. So I looked at some other Bible translations because not all the modern English Bible translations have the word pastor. And I'm including the King James in that. The 1611 King James is pastor. It's capital P, pastors. A little different. Um, see why that matters in a second. So I w- now I'm going back to some lessons that you had a few months ago. I went back to some older English translations of the Bible. So what's the first one that I probably looked at? This is, this is testing your bibliology class memory. But I don't speak Latin. But that, yeah, that's that's the that's the Latin version from which this word pastor actually came from. But going back to English translations, what's the first English translation that would be available to us? Hmm? Prior, King James is 1611. I went back to 1380. The Geneva Bible, that's one. Actually, that's 1587, roughly. That has the word pastors with the U in it and the capital P. Old English. I went back a little further. Remember the Coverdale Bible? Coverdale Bible, 1536. The Tyndale Bible, 1534. The Wycliffe Bible, 1380. Is that right? Those dates right? Close. I don't think, you know, we didn't keep good track back then. They didn't have Outlook. All of those. Shepherds in Wycliffe, Shepherds in Tyndale, capital S, Shepherds in Coverdale, and then Pastors in the Genevan King James Bible. Right, and so why, why is that? It would seem that from a, a kind of just a, for consistency's sake, it should be the word shepherd. It's translated that way everywhere else. But look at this particular passage. The magic is this particular passage. What is this passage doing? He gave some as apostles, listing an office. He gave some as prophets. Gave some as evangelists. Some as pastors and teachers. It's very clearly delineating 
an office, a group of people who hold a particular office. So that's why they use pastors, so as not to just confuse it with just shepherd. Paul's not talking about people who look after sheep here, is he? Literally. So they use a word that came to mean the office of pastor. Perfectly legitimate, um, but it's odd when you first first look at that and see what it doesn't make any sense. Why is that translated pastor? The other positions listed here? Mm-hmm. Yep. They were formal positions at the time Paul wrote Ephesians. How about I say that? And <laughs> How's that working? Have you seen the risen Christ? Yeah. Got his bandages off. Um, and I do actually have a slide up that has that. Um, those offices on there, I want to talk about it, but I think I'm not going to have time to do that today. But yeah, we'll we'll go through those. The short answer is apostles and prophets were foundational. You see that in earlier on in Ephesians, they were foundational to the church. When the rest of the offices um, still exist, uh, evangelists very little mentioned about evangelists. It's kind of interesting to talk about, so we'll we'll look at that next time. Um, so I want to make sure I get to at least this part of lesson. So I hope that I've reduced your concerns about that word being translated a little bit differently. Now I want to convince you of one thing. An elder is an overseer, is a pastor. They're the same office. And it's clear from Scripture, I want to give you the three key verses for this, or passages for this. It says Acts 20, 17 through 28, but it's not. It's 17 and 28. Didn't put the whole passage up there. Acts 17, Acts, sorry, Acts chapter 20, verse 17 says, "From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church." Remember, that's when Paul is leaving Ephesus and he he calls the elders of the Ephesian church to him and they have a great time together. Um, so he calls to him the elders of the church. In verse 28, same passage: "Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock." This is Paul talking to those elders, among which the Holy Spirit has made you. Overseers. So you elders, I called you elders, you are overseers, Paul's telling them. So we know elders and overseers are the same thing. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So he says, you elders who are also overseers, make sure you shepherd. Same office, same people. Okay. Uh, Titus 1, 5 through 8. It says, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you, namely, if any man is above reproach, husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. For the overseer, so this is a reference to the verse before, the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain. So, clearly referenced elders and overseers being the same people. And the last one actually uses all three. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3. Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. That's the verb form of episcopal. Not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. 
So directing those men who are elders to be shepherds and overseers. Okay. So there is in the hierarchical church some bad doctrine, I guess, putting it mildly, that would divide a shepherd from being an overseer, from being an elder, and they're all different and they have different and the scripture just doesn't support that. So there is one office referred to as elder, pastor, overseer, bishop. And that is what we most generally here call the office of elder. All right. And um, if I had more time, we'd talk about why we choose the word elder. So we'll talk about that a little bit next time. Get to Ray's point. What about the using honorifics? Like, call no man father except your father's in heaven. Those sorts of things. And using the word you know, Pastor Jess or the most good Reverend Jess. What are some other terms that you require? <laughs> <laughs> Reverend, Dave. Reverend, yeah, words like that. We'll, we'll talk about that. And uh, then tra- hopefully we'll move on into Acts 20. And we'll also look at those offices, apostles, prophets, and the others. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we are again thankful for your word. Thankful that there is uh, so much in it that if we dig, we, we can just keep on digging and finding greater and greater and greater treasure. Um, it is so worth the effort, and we're just so thankful that you gave us your word. It's a blessing beyond any that we could have imagined or, or uh, deserved. And we thank you for the gift of our salvation, and Lord, we desire to serve you as our, our true uh, great shepherd, the overseer and guardian of our souls. Uh, the church that was bought with your blood is your church, and uh, we're just thankful to be part of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting kootenaichurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.